When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. My name is Jenna and I'm here to help you do all the hard things. I'm a licensed professional counselor with nearly 10 years of clinical and research experience working with people who have some of the most debilitating OCD and anxiety in the world. I'm also a mom, a personal trainer, and a lover of modern spirituality. My goal is to bring you all the research, guidance, and encouragement you need to help you remember and know how strong you truly are. Now let's get to it. If you are struggling with obsessive compulsive disorder, then check out NoCD. NoCD offers online therapy for people who are struggling with OCD anywhere in the United States and now in the United Kingdom. You can do live video sessions with a licensed therapist who specializes in the treatment of OCD, which is exposure and response prevention. Between sessions, you'll get 24-7 support from our peer support community and our clinician-guided tools. You also have the ability to message your therapist from the app for additional support and encouragement. Plus, the app tracks all of your exposures, and there are tons of other ERP tools on there too, like an SOS track to put on when you're really, really struggling. You can get started by booking a free call at www.treatmyocd.com or download the free NoCD app to get started. And depending on what state you live in, you may even be able to work with me as your therapist. We even have free support groups that you can sign up for, and they're all led by a therapist who specializes in ERP. Head to www.treatmyocd.com and tell them that Jenna Overboss sent you. Hello again, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of All the Hard Things. And today I'm going to answer for some of you what might be a pretty pressing question and really difficult to kind of wrap your minds around. And for others, it might be kind of confusing, like why is this an issue in the first place? So I'm gonna go over what exactly do you think and what are you supposed to be thinking and doing during exposures? So first things first, before I even get into exposures, I wanna assume that there's at least maybe someone out there who doesn't know what exposures are. And so if you're one of those people, that's totally fine. Um, But we're referring to exposures in the treatment for obsessive compulsive disorder, which is exposure and response prevention, so otherwise known as ERP. Um, And if you need to know a little bit more about that, if you're curious about more of that, I have tons of more episodes about that. Um, But for right now, you know, for those of you who are more familiar with exposures, I'm going to be going into really the specifics of what should be going on for you during this time. What should you be thinking? What should be going on for you? And We'll also get into what should not be happening during exposures so that we can make sure that they're being as effective as possible and that we're not kind of perfecting the exposure process because I think that this is a problem that comes up for people who are really trying to perfect the exposure or just having a hard time kind of wrapping their heads around this concept. So like I said, the biggest issue here is that I don't want us to complicate exposure work. 
And this is the first like red sign, um, you know, or like red flag that someone is kind of complicating their exposure work or that they're trying, you know, consciously or not to complicate treatment when they ask like, well, what should I be thinking? And the process for me, you know, what I always tell my members or my residents, whomever I'm, I'm, I would be working with at the time you know, just let it happen. And that can be a really difficult concept for people, especially people who have OCD and they want to know the details and they want to know everything just right and do things just right and know things perfectly. So first things first, you know, during exposures, you're going to be asked to do this anxiety provoking thing. And that will naturally evoke some type of reaction in you more than likely a physiological reaction. When we, you know, start to feel fear, we feel things like our adrenaline pumping, our heart starts to race, our thoughts start to race. And so you're going to have somewhat of a cognitive reaction too, right? Like these are things that you've been avoiding. So it should kind of catapult, this exposure should kind of catapult you more naturally than you'd think into this anxiety or feared state. And so we're going to talk about Issues like, can you control your thoughts? Going to talk a lot about focusing and attention and awareness. And so basically what I want you guys to walk away from this with is that you can't necessarily help the initial thought that you have, right? Our brains are very complicated. And I tell all of the people that I work with, like our brains, the brains that we have are the brains that came up with the iPhone 12. Our brains are the brains that came up with a plane before there was a plane. And it can do really great things, but it can also do really scary things. And some things don't always make sense. And there are errors in the system every once in a while that don't necessarily make sense. And so all of us have these intrusive thoughts. We all have fear and anxiety and threat expectations when there necessarily isn't always threat. And so I want us to all know, my opinion is that you cannot help that initial thought whether it's an intrusive thought that comes into your mind, like you better not hurt your baby or whatever it might be, but you do help and you can help what you do with that thought. So I think it has a lot to do with your level of focus and whether you are focusing on that initial thought or whether you continue to move on with your day. I believe it's a lot about whether and how much attention you're giving to that initial thought. So there's a lot of statements out there like you are not your thoughts and you can't help your thoughts. And I think that that can be misleading. I think you can, but only to an extent. Um, That first initial thought that you have, whether it's intrusive thoughts or even depressive thoughts every once in a while, I do not think that you can always necessarily help. But I do believe 100% that once you become aware of those thoughts, that then you determine what you do with that thought. Do you continue to focus on that thought? Do you give it attention or do you just kind of note it and move on with the rest of your day? So with that said, just that blanket explanation out there that I think is really important for all of us to understand and really important for all of you who are doing ERP to understand and kind of get on board with, let's talk about what what are, what are you supposed to be thinking about during exposures? What's supposed to be going on? What should you be doing? What should you not be doing? And so if someone were to ask me, what should I be thinking during exposures? I would say you shouldn't necessarily have to think (laughs) like it should be a fairly natural process, right? So like I referenced earlier, this is an exposure for a reason. You avoid this thing, this word, this noise, this person, this picture, this thought. 
you can pulse and you ritualize through this thing. And chances are it wouldn't otherwise be an exposure and it wouldn't be assigned to you by your therapist or something that you wanted to work on if it wasn't going to be naturally anxiety provoking, right? So let's just assume that it's an exposure that was assigned to you or that you thought would be anxiety provoking. So it should be a fairly natural process for you to be anxious, right? So maybe there shouldn't even be this like, I I have to force this narrative of this anxiety response and talk to myself about what I'm anxious about and really ramp myself up. I don't think that you need to do that. So I want you all to think about like when you approach an anxiety provoking situation or an exposure, you're not adding in another element of the equation. There shouldn't be this like, well, what do I do? Think of it more like you're eliminating an aspect of an equation, right? Like you are eliminating the avoidance or the ritualistic behavior. It's not like you're suddenly adding an element that wasn't there. The natural process is to not ritualize through these things, right? Like a baby wouldn't ritualize when he sees a bee. A baby wouldn't ritualize when he sees a picture, whether it's gruesome or not, you know, whatever it is, whatever the content is. The natural process is to not ritualize through these things and is not to avoid these things. You learned that response somewhere along the way. So when it comes to exposures, I don't want it to be this, well, what should I do or what should I think type of thing? Because that assumes that you're adding in a part of the equation that's that you're not already doing. It's, it's not that you're adding an, an element to the equation. You're actually removing an element of the equation. And again, that element that you're removing is the avoidance or the ritual. So as a result, what we want you to sit with instead during exposure work is the consequence of that missing element, right? So when you remove the avoidance or you remove the element of the compulsive behavior, you're naturally going to be left with worry or uncertainty or doubt, anxiety, intrusive thoughts, whatever. And so as your therapist, I just want you to be there with that. And I want you to let it ebb and flow naturally and do whatever you can to make sure that you don't add on that additional problematic element of the equation, which is going to be the rituals and the compulsions. So still, regardless of that, like I've, I've explained that to people and still sometimes people overcomplicate it, whether they're trying to or not. And you know, sometimes people will say things like, well, what am I, am am I supposed to not think during exposures? And the answer is no, you obviously can't not think. We want you to let in whatever happens during that emotional anxiety provoking experience for you. So I want you to let whatever happens, happens. You do this anxiety provoking thing and you just let it happen. So the exposure just puts you in this anxiety provoking situation. You've already done the work. Now you kind of just need to let it happen. So I sometimes will describe it to my members or to my clients this way. So a couple years ago, I got LASIK and it was amazing, but I was really nervous about it. And I was like, what do I do with my hands? What do I do with my eyes or my face? Like, what do I do? And the doctor was really calming. And he pretty much said, all you need to do is walk in and lay on the bed and let us do our thing. The rest of it is a passive process. And I was like, wow, that's so awesome. And that's kind of like what exposure therapy is. <laughs> so you really have to like, which is, the, you know, you setting yourself up for the exposure, you know, going and looking at that picture or writing that trigger word or doing this anxiety provoking thing in public, whatever the exposure is for you, that's essentially like you laying down on the LASIK table. And then you need to just let the rest of it happen. The rest of it is like 
letting the machine do its work, right? And as far as LASIK goes, you need to just let it be a passive process. Um, John Hirschfield, he's actually an expert in the OCD field. Um, somewhere along the way, I heard him talking about this issue and he referenced ERP kind of being like an evil meditation where instead of using your breath or your body as kind of the anchor point, like in a meditation, you come back to it in a meditation, you during ERP, you would just use the exposure or trigger as like you would with your breath and meditation. So I really like that analogy as well. So trying to conceptualize ERP as an evil meditation and using this trigger or this anxiety provoking situation kind of as your anchor to come back to it and just keep coming back to it. There's also a concept called non-engagement responses as far as exposures go. And I'm actually going to do an entirely separate episode on non-engagement responses in OCD because I think it's so helpful for people. But essentially, non-engagement responses are how you, quote unquote, interact or not interact with your intrusive thoughts. And non-engagement would be, okay, so what do you do if you're not engaging with the thoughts? What do you do then? What does it look like? What does it sound like for you to not engage with your thoughts? And so definitely come back in the future. Hopefully I can get an episode done relatively soon about that because it's one of my favorite topics. But non-engagement essentially is allowing your thoughts to be there, accepting thoughts and welcoming them in. You can even invite them in and kind of egg them on and be like, show me what you got, OCD, bring it. Bring me everything that you have today. Another good non-engagement response would be simply noticing the thought and practicing things like non-critical judgment of the thoughts, being non-judgmental about the thoughts in general, allowing a thought to just kind of pop into your head. So allowing a thought to pop into your head is much different from rumination. Rumination is repetitively going over the thought, Um, keeping the thought in your head, analyzing the thought, trying to figure out the thought. And having a thought pop in your head is just having a thought pop in your head. And you move on. You acknowledge it and you move on. Um, Another non-engagement response that would be good for this to do, and you could practice this during exposures as well, is just simply being okay with all of your emotions, no matter how you feel, and continuing to do what you want to do anyway. That's probably my favorite non-engagement response. Um, If I could boil ERP treatment down to one core concept, it would probably be that. Being okay with all emotions, being okay with how you feel, regardless of how you feel, and continuing to do what you want to do anyway. So basically, I'm asking during exposures, I'm asking and hoping that it's just a fairly natural process and that you allow it to be a natural process, that you allow it to be more of a passive process than something that you have to narrate or force or forcibly do. Think of it less like you're adding a part to the equation. You're actually eliminating a part from the equation that isn't natural to be doing in the first place. And most of all, I want you guys to be letting in your thoughts and letting in whatever happens, happens. You can come back to that concept of ERP being an evil meditation. I think that's awesome. Using the exposure or trigger kind of as your anchor, like you would like your breath and practicing non-engagement strategies. Okay. Something else that may get in the way for you guys during exposures is distraction. So your thoughts just wandering. And I know that that happens for a lot of people. So I think the natural process of just moving on from an exposure, meaning you keep going about your day, 
is that eventually you will become quote unquote distracted. And so I think if you're distracting yourself purposefully with the intention of not having to feel that anxiety anymore, then that's not good, right? But as the exposure unfolds and as you continue to move through your day, by nature, you're going to move on with your day and other things are going to happen. And as you stop being so preoccupied with this exposure and anxiety provoking situation, as a result, your thoughts are going to wander and that's okay. So just as long as it's not being done purposefully to avoid and get out of that negative anxiety provoking situation. So think of it this way. When I get in the car every morning and I willingly but realistically accept the uncertainty that I either may get a speeding ticket or may get in a fatal car accident, which again is always possible, right? It's always somewhat of a possibility. I don't need to necessarily get in the car and tell myself, maybe I will get in a car accident, maybe I won't. Like, I don't need to force that narrative. It's just that I just that I naturally kind of accept that uncertainty. And I know that it's not worth changing my life and avoiding my values in order to be a victim to that probability or that catastrophe. So I get in the car. I simply accept that those things are possibilities, just as I do every single time I get in the car. And I choose to continue moving forward with my values, whether that's hanging out with friends or getting groceries independently or going to work or whatever. I move on with my day and I'm still bringing that uncertainty with me. And so I think, too, with exposure work, a little bit of mindfulness and awareness is going to be required. So you can also say things to yourself during exposures like this is making me anxious right now. I don't like the way that this feels. Um, I feel it in my body. I notice my heart start to race. I'm having thoughts right now like X, Y, Z. So you can practice mindfulness as long as it's related to the exposure. Um, I would not want someone, again, like purposefully doing mindfulness about their environment Like, oh yeah, I'm doing an exposure right now that I don't like, and the sky is blue, and the birds are chirping. Like, that's distraction to me, um, and that's more purposeful, and so I don't necessarily want that. Um, There's also a doctor who's really well-renowned, and um, his name is Dr. Reed Wilson, and he would say that during exposures, you could say things like, I'm motivated to do this, this exposure is making me uncomfortable, sitting with uncertainty is hard thinking of all the reasons during an exposure, kind of why you're putting yourself through this situation, why you're kind of intentionally making yourself feel like crap, and maybe even some more empowering things, right? Like I can sit with uncertainty. You're not saying things like it's going to be okay. It's just about you and your ability to do hard things. It's I can sit with uncertainty. This is making me uncomfortable. I've committed to this and I feel anxious right now. Um, So if if, if none of you have heard of Dr. Reed Wilson, he's incredible. He has tons of awesome OCD and exposure resources on YouTube. I would definitely, definitely check him out. Um, and again, one more message that I want to leave you guys with before we get into what not to do during exposures. I want you all to understand and try to recognize and embrace this concept that while you can't help the initial thought that you have, right, especially these intrusive thoughts, you do dictate and control what level of focus and control and attention that you give to that thought once it kind of enters your awareness. So you do have the control of what significance you apply to that thought. So in exposure therapy, you truly just have to notice what comes up for you and observe it and let yourself purposefully lean into that uncertainty and know that it's going to go up and it's going to come down and 
you're going to learn new things and you just kind of have to be along for that ride. So really quick, I'm going to chat with you guys about a product that I love and that if you want to check out would be awesome. It helps keep the lights on here for the podcast. So we're going to talk about a product that I love really, really quick. And then we'll be right back to talk about some things that you don't want to do during exposures. I've often said that one of my favorite go-to self-care routines is to get my nails done. But if you're like me, then you just can't justify salon prices or the harshness that these bring to your nails. Olive in June allows you to get the salon quality manicures and pedicures at home. You can easily go up to seven days without chipping, you don't have to leave the house, and you can finally stop spending $35 or more every two weeks on getting them done. For $10 off your first order, Head to my website at www.jennaoverbaugh.com and click on deals. So what are some things that you don't want to be doing during exposures? And it's going to come as no surprise that I don't want you guys to ritualize. (laughs) I don't want you guys to ritualize, do convulsions, however you call it. I don't want you to do any safety-seeking behaviors. No avoidance, no distraction, distracting yourself that's purposeful. I don't want you to seek reassurance. I don't want you to give yourself self-assurance, anything like that. So ideally, you're going to be doing this exposure, doing this thing that makes you anxious, that, that thing that brings you doubt. And then I want you to walk on and move on with your day without answering the question that it brings up. I want you to just allow those questions to be there. Let that worry be unattended to. And it may, for some some people, may even feel like kind of an itch you can't scratch type of thing. I'm trying to give you guys as many like metaphors that I possibly can here. But you want to make sure that you're not doing any rituals. And it's so, you know, if you know anything about exposure and response prevention, it's just, it's part of the name, right? You have to do exposures and you have to do the ritual or the response prevention. So if you just do exposures, it's not going to work. If you do the exposure, but then you ritualize afterwards, you're just doing exactly what you've always done. You're doing this anxiety-provoking thing, and you're ritualizing afterwards. That's no different from anything you've already done. And so something has to change, right? Uh, An Instagram post that I just made today actually was about how OCD is a two-part issue. It's a two-part problem, so you need a two-part solution. So you you know, the two-part problem of OCD is that you have obsessions and compulsions. And I have yet to meet anybody who does not have both of those things. Um, Even those who say that they have pure O, they have mental compulsions. They avoid, at the very least, they avoid. And that is a compulsion. Um, And so it's a two-part solution. You need exposures and you need response or ritual prevention. So big, big, big thing is that you guys don't ritualize ideally before, during, or after your exposures. Because if you do, whether we're following the habituation model or the, you know, inhibitory learning model, either way, if you ritualize, it interrupts both of those models from taking place. It interrupts the habituation process because your brain is going to latch on to, oh, that thing is why your anxiety came down. That reassurance is why your anxiety came down. That compulsion is why your anxiety came down. So that's what you're going to have to do in the future to let your anxiety come down. And that's going to become compulsive and repetitive, right? And then as far as inhibitory learning, you're not learning that your anxiety comes down naturally over time. You're not learning that you can tolerate that scenario. You're not learning that you don't have to avoid or compulse in order to do this thing. 
you're just learning that these problematic behaviors get you through the anxiety provoking situation. And that's not what we want. So big thing here is making sure that you're practicing non-engagement responses, trying as much as possible to let this be a passive process. And again, keep coming back to that, you know, concept of it being a math equation. You're not adding on an additional aspect. You're, you've been adding on an, an additional aspect that's not been natural this whole entire time. And so I'm asking you to remove that aspect and therefore be left with the end result, which is this anxiety provoking thing, this doubt, this intrusive thought, and just truly let yourself be anxious about that. So you can also think of it kind of like a math equation, like 56 times 72. I can notice that in my head. I can look at those numbers, 56, 5, 6 on top of 72, 72 with a little multiplication sign and a horizontal line. And I can notice that and I can think about that. And I can let that image be there, but I'm not going to put forth the effort that it requires to calculate that in my head. So even if it was something more simple, like 11 times, you know, or maybe a simpler one, like 15 times six, right? Like I can look at that and I can effortfully exert effort to not figure that out and just kind of let that first initial thought be there. So big thing, just, just letting yourself be anxious. And I don't think that you guys need to force that narrative of, yes, I'm in this exposure and this could happen and this also could happen and this could happen and this could happen. I think you'll probably never come down from there. That's just rumination. So I wouldn't want you guys to do that either. So I hope that all of these hints and to-dos and what not to-dos were helpful. And now you guys get to go and do more of your exposures. Um, Hopefully you're working with a therapist on this stuff. But if not, and you're just trying to take yourself through it too, That's awesome. If you're a therapist, I hope some of these suggestions you can bring with you to your therapy sessions, bring with you to your clients, and hopefully it'll help exposures work that much more effectively for the people you're working with. Reach out to me and let me know if these things are helpful, if there was something new here that you didn't really think of before, or if there's anything else that you have questions on. So in the meanwhile, you guys keep challenging yourselves, keep keep allowing this to just be the passive process that it is, and keep doing all the hard things. For more information and resources, head to my website at www.jennaoverbaugh.com. From there, you can sign up for my email newsletter so you can make sure that you are the most up-to-date about upcoming resources, podcast episodes, blogs, challenges, and more. Also, check me out on Instagram at jenna.overbaugh and tune into some other episodes here while you're at it. As always, if you have a free minute, it would mean the world to me if you could please subscribe and rate this podcast. Subscriptions and ratings help me keep the podcast going and help me spread the word to other people who need these resources and they otherwise may not get them. With that said, thank you guys so much for tuning in. I really love creating these episodes for you. And until next time, keep doing all the hard things.